Today, we are going to be digging in uh, one more time, uh, kind of into a little bit of a history lesson here. We're going to be going through uh, the 23rd chapter of the historical theology book, and I've done my best to kind of condense um, the the different areas that we read. that's probably not going to seem like that whenever I actually get into it because there's a lot to go over here. Um, what I will say is that this chapter on justification and the history uh, behind it, there's a lot that we can learn here. Um, there's a lot that we can learn how, um, like, we should always be seeking. Uh, not to be comfortable in the positions that we hold, but to be truthful um, f- to what the text of Scripture tells us. Like that's one of the things that like I take away from this, uh, from this chapter, and just this particular doctrine in general. Um, there is potential when we fail in like this chapter is one of those hills to die on. Um, areas of our faith, right? Um, And we're going to see that this is probably more than any other decision or any other uh, disagreement during the Reformation. This is the central uh, doctrine up for dispute. Now, um, something interesting, um, if you've studied ahead in this one, um, all hope is not lost for the Protestants and the Catholics to like uh, come to the table in in regards to this. So so in the 90s and early 2000s, there were efforts in that way, and efforts in a in a way that it's like when you think about it, you're like, yes, like this is like this is why this is why if we find one another in error, it is important for us. To not just be like, well, I'm going to look past that. But when it's on those central things, those core tenets of the faith, that we should be like, look, you're, you're wrong here. I love you, but you are wrong here. Let's sit down. Let's come together and let's, let's work, work in the direction of truth. Um, and as a body of believers, like as... Um, people who may be in different denominations or may be in the Catholic stream of Christianity, like we should be, ve- like there should be a like a, a sense of humility on us to the weight of the things that we say, and we should have compassion on those who uh, have a heartfelt. Um, backed up by sound mind and understanding of Scripture, position on what the Scriptures say. And we should always be um, ready to come together and to discuss as though we were brothers and sisters, right? Um, especially when it comes to these like deep truths um, pertaining to, to salvation, right? So... Um, I hope that we make it in time to give uh, to give sufficient timing um, to to kind of what's 
what some of the developments in the modern age. A lot of times when we go through this historical stuff, we look a lot at early church, medieval church, reformation, and then it's like, and a couple of little things happened in the modern age, right? Um, this is one where like there's a particular couple of things that's happened in the modern age that's like, yes, like we should be doing this. Like this is the way that we should approach things. Um, let's let's work towards unification here, um, because when we say like two billion strong, a large chunk of that is Catholicism, right? A large chunk of that. Um, so as those who uh, stand opposed to some of the, the doctrines that have been historically taught um, since the time of the Reformation by Catholicism, we should be um, seeking to uh, steer our brothers and sisters um, in the right direction there. Right. So um, with that being said, we're, we're stepping off into um, the hist- kind of the historical view of justification um, as we understand it um, from the Protestant uh, from the P- Protestant view of this particular doctrine. So the church uh, historically has affirmed that one aspects of one aspect of God's work of salvation on behalf of sinful humanity is justification. This is the kind of the intro uh, to the historical theology section on this that I'm reading here. Uh, few doctrines are better known than this one because of the intense debate that was waged over it during the Reformation. Uh, before that debate, however, the doctrine of justification by divine grace through faith alone had been championed by Augustine over and against the view of grace's external help as articulated by Pelagius. So these two names are in the last couple of historical views that we've looked through. Um, these two names have come up again and again. So these are some of the central um, central teachers on some big ideas in the kind of early stages of the church's development of these doctrines that laid forward ideas that have really like rippled and cascaded uh, down through the centuries. So even with Augustine's strong presentation, the medieval church was reluctant to accept his entire view and opted for a middle course between Augustine and Pelagius. We'll see this as we kind of step through, uh, step by step through the different, the different ages of the church here. Um, and the Middle-Aged Church took on something that is uh, often referred to as uh, semi-Pelagianism. Um, we'll, we'll kind of, like, that's like, you could just think of that as like Pelagius's view became known as Pelagianism, and then people that didn't hold to the whole thing kind of get labeled uh, semi-Pelagian. Um, so the material principle of the Protestant of Protestantism was the doctrine of justification. In contrast with Roman Catholic theology, which viewed justification as a process of divine grace being infused into people to make them actually righteous, Protestant theology insisted that justification is a legal act of God who, as judge, declares sinners not guilty but righteous instead. He does so by crediting the righteousness of Christ to their account. So while they are not actually righteous, God views them as being so because of Christ's righteousness. All of this is appropriated by faith in Christ alone. The Catholic Church, they have vehemently denounced this view of justification. um, And at the time of the Reformation, they condemned it um, as absolute heresy. Essentially... 
Um, if you're not kind of familiar with what it means to be called a heretic, that's not that's not like a soft-spoken, um, you know, like dig at your bad theology. That's your theology will send you to hell. Okay, so for the Catholic Church at the time of the Reformation, um, the Protestant believers uh, were not brothers. Right, they were not brothers, and we'll we'll see if if this and how this might have changed um, over the course of history as uh, the Protestant reformers didn't just take that rebuke from the Catholic Church and say, okay, you're right, we'll come back, um, but instead press deeper into uh, the scriptures. Um, so uh, in the early church, we're going to kind of look at the early church, start off there. Um, as, as always, when we start off with the early church, we should probably look at uh, the scriptures and what the apostles um, and writers of the New Testament have said about things. So um, when we look here, probably the best place to look is Paul. Um, and Paul is generally thought of as the New Testament author who devoted the most amount of space to the theme of justification. He's not the only one, however, who, who touches it. Uh, Jesus himself uh, uh, had several occasions where he touched on this topic. You could see this in Matthew chapter 12, uh, verses 33 through 37, Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. Um, also, another place that's kind of a key spot um, of debate whenever it comes to justi- justification, specifically justi- justification by faith alone, uh, James chapter 2, verses 18 through 26 is often brought into this, um, like trying to reconcile like faith and works. Um, so that's, a, that's another area that, um, you know, when we, when we rightly understand what James is saying there, he's not saying that uh, justification comes by faith or through faith but that uh, genuine faith produces uh, legitimate work, legitimate fruit within uh, our lives, and that if we proclaim some type of faith that is uh, without evidence or without fruit, then um, we, that faith is, is, is kind of dead on arrival, right? Um, for Paul's letter to Romans is the richest exposition of this topic. Uh, a key theme in contrast between justification by works of the law and justification by faith is detailed in Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 28, um, and also in the example of given uh, of Abraham in chapter 4, um, a couple of places there, 1 through 5, chapter 4, 1 through 5, chapter 4, 13 through 25 would be good for reference for just like uh, getting some of the spots in Romans where you get uh, this theme of, of justification kind of shining through there. Um, this same idea you can find in Galatians, Galatians chapter 2, verses 15 through 21, chapter 3, verses 15 through 29. Um, Beyond justification, the divine work is uh, all of one piece with God's other mighty works of salvation, uh, that being his foreknowledge, his predestination, calling, glorification. This can be seen um, in Romans 8, uh, verses 29 through 30. Uh, After the apostolic period, the church continued to affirm this doctrine. We're going to see, as we kind of look through some of the uh, quotes that we get out of individuals here, what I want us to pay attention to are the small steps that ultimately lead to, like, just 
beliefs that are way off in left field. Like it's it's very small things, and a lot of it comes from um, individuals that like a lot of what they say. I like what they say, right? Like that's that's one of the things that that really gets you here. Is like it, this doesn't like the small steps that lead to ultimately like you can pay penance to get people out of purgatory um, those small steps come from men who had great contributions to the church like that's it would be nice it would be nice if we could attribute all failings of the church to like completely rotten eggs within the church but um, if there's a warning to be had from what we see here it's that well-meaning god-fearing individuals who we will walk with in glory had failings in their theology that over time when added upon by the next generation and the next generation led to uh, pathways in the faith that um, probably the original seed, the person who had the original seed of that idea um, would have never seen it going there okay so that's um, for for me personally like that kind of the takeaway that I have from that is like Landon man it is critically important that you do all within your power um to be as accurate as possible. Like I, I so much take away from this that that weight that there are often times that I would rather not speak at all than say something and there be potential risk of, of error in that. So um, during the or after the apostolic period, uh, the church continued to affirm this doctrine of justification, uh, contrasting. Now, we, you, you will remember, and this is one of those themes that we'll see, you will remember in the last couple of kind of runs through these different kind of streams through history here, um, you'll remember that uh, there was a strong emphasis on human freedom within the early church right this is because the context that they found themselves in they were facing a world that was like there was a very fatalistic view coming at them from the world and because of that 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 early church culture um, put great emphasis on uh, the freedom of the will so that's not disconnected from some of those steps that happen along the way through history that leads us to um, where we end up just prior to the Reformation. So I want you to keep that in mind. So um, this idea of self-effort, this self-actualization, um, the combining of effort with faith or works with faith and, and, and oftentimes presenting works in a way that's uh, perhaps 
or not perhaps, but definitely not aligned with how Scripture would uh, would address it. This is one of those areas that we have to be pretty careful when we address it. So uh, contrasting self-effort with faith, Clement of Rome says this, having been called through, through his, that is, through God's will in Jesus Christ, we are not justified through ourselves or through our own wisdom or understanding or piety or works, which we have done in holiness of heart, but through faith by which the Almighty God has justified all who have existed from the beginning. Like the Apostle Paul, uh, another man from from this uh, stage in church history, Justin Martyr, uh, appealed to Abraham as an example of justification. Just, uh, Justin Martyr, uh, here's a quote from him. Uh, we have learned from the prophets that punishments, rebukes, and good reward are rendered according to the merit of each man's actions unless human beings have power to avoid evil and choosing good by free choice. There are not accountable for their actions no matter what kind they are for human beings would not be worthy of reward or praise if they themselves did not choose good so listen to the language of justin martyr there and the um, the reliance on um, the will of of man there tertullian um, envisioned god as a debtor to human deeds okay so tertullian said this here's a quote from him listen to him uh, speaking of god as a debtor here um, and again this is another one that we would that, like tertullian and justin martyr are individuals that we look to fondly okay uh, but listen to some of the things that that, that they say in this regard. So Tertullian here. God accepts good works, and if he accepts if he accepts him, he also rewards them. So a good work has God as its debtor, just as an evil deed has also. Now that doesn't sound too bad, right? That doesn't sound that heretical, okay? Um, but to say that God owes man anything... Um, that, that, yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. Like the the ultimate end of playing out that particular idea. So um, he goes on. Um, For a judge is one who rewards every cause. Uh, thus some within the early church linked God's gracious work of justification with human free will and self-determination. Um ultimately opening the door for a system of meriting divine favor through the proper use of human freedom now during this during this age of the early church uh, uh, we've spoken about the augustine and pelagian debate a couple of times here this is one of those areas where it really comes um like augustine laid out some some really strong truths that come back and really aid the reformers um, hundreds of years later uh, in kind of formulating their their thoughts and understandings uh, about how scripture uh, what scripture says in regards to justification so augustine wrestled with the relationship of grace law free will and good works he constantly pointed out that people enslaved to sin are not able to obtain righteousness by themselves listen to what he says this is a quote from augustine for what good work can a lost person perform except so far as he has delivered from except so far as he has been delivered from damnation 
Can they do anything by the free determination of, or can we do anything by the free determination of our own will? When a man by his own free will sinned, this is the particular, particularly uh, interesting point that he that he holds to here, and and I'm I'm in a, I'm in agreement. Like my my particular position on uh, on the will that that we possess. Um, what he says in this in this next statement, I think it it echoes uh, my own understandings of it. So he says here, when a man by his own free will sinned, then sin was victorious over him, and the freedom of his will was lost. Like I think Scripture speaks um, of our enslavement to sin, and and I think uh, Augustine was right to point. Uh, to point that out, and ultimately we find ourselves enslaved to sin from birth because of the fall of Adam and us being counted in in that fall, which again Pelagius would not agree with, right? And this is where that kind of those debates kind of uh, roared on. So in saying this, Augustine did not deny free will; rather, he stressed that unbelievers always use their free will to sin because it is enslaved. But once justified by faith, believers are liberated to live uh, righteously and carry out the law. Um, uh, Another quote here from Augustine um, in regards to this being liberated um, to to live freely in, in Christ. He said, this is true freedom. For he has... For he has pleasure in the righteous deed, and it is at the same time a holy bondage, for he is obedient to the will of God. Augustine insisted that believers will engage in doing good so that from faith comes good works. Uh, He said, here's another quote from him, We shall be made truly free then. When God fashions us, that is, forms and creates us new, not as, not as men, for he has done that already, but as good men, which his grace is now doing, that we may be a new creation in Christ Jesus. Uh, so during this stage of the early church's development of this doctrine, Augustine's powerful refutation of Pelagianism and his dynamic exposition of divine grace and justification uh, carried the day. It, w- it was, you know, for, and we talked about this in, in past, the past couple of classes, like uh, for the most part his view here won out within uh, the church's understanding, though they did still continue with the a strong dependence and leaning on um, the, fr- the, the innate freedom of man's will. Uh, so the church condemned Pel- the Pelagian position at several councils, the Council of Carthage in uh, 1418, the Council of es- Ephesus in uh, 431, um, insisting on the thoroughgoing need for God's grace from beginning to end, we spoke about in another class John Cassian, <clears throat> Cassian, uh, also uh, Vincent of Lorenz and Faustus, Faustus of uh, Regium. Um, these guys come in in a couple of councils later. Um, they affirm so, like in 14 or excuse me, in 473. 
um, at the Council of Arles and uh, or Arles, uh, they affirm the cooperative effort between God's grace and human freedom and work, saying this. Man's effort and endeavor is to be united with God's grace. Man's freedom of will is not extinct, but attenuated and weakened. Um, so, oh man, we did not get through this thing today in time. That bell came way too early. Um, so a couple of councils later, and this is an, uh, another hundred some odd years later, so uh, Council of Orange in 529 put a stop to this drift, um, taking a firm stand against sem the semi-Pelagian position that the human will initiates the request for grace, the wish for forgiveness of sins, and the desire to believe. So we can kind of see this persistent... Um, hanging on of this idea of essentially like the will of man being the, the first mover in regards to grace. And we can see along the way uh, the church kind of stepping in and, and doing, its, doing its best to kind of right this direction. Um, at this Council of Orange, it affirmed that, and this is a quote, uh, the sin of the first man has so impaired and weakened the will that afterward no one can either love God as he ought or believe in God or do good for God's sake unless the grace of divine mercy goes before him. So then we enter into the Middle Ages. Um, there's a couple of quotes uh, that I'm going to read here. Um, Jul uh, 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 teacher by the name of Julian uh, spoke like this. He said, this is, this is quoting him, the righteousness of faith by which we are justified. This is faith that we believe in him who we cannot see and that being cleansed by faith, we will eventually see him in whom we now believe. So kind of like this uh, push towards the, this reliance on faith here. Um, I, I'm going to murder this guy's name, so I apologize for that. Uh, Eldophanus, um, if I see him in heaven, I'm going to apologize to him directly. Um, he, said, he said this, The beginning of human salvation comes from faith, which, when it is in Christ, is justification for the believer. He goes on and says in another place, God who makes the unclean clean and removes sin justifies the sinner apart from works. He goes on again in another place. Faith unadorned with works is not only or faith unadorned in works is not only lacking in beauty but is in fact dead. So that would be like a callback uh, to James there. Um, so faith produces works within us, right? It's not that works lead to faith or that um, works lead to justification, but that faith is faith in Christ and Christ alone is the ultimate source. Um, I hesitate to move on um, from here. We may just we're going to break this up into two places. Uh, because the next section that we're going to step into, uh, we're going to step into Thomas Aquinas, um, which, like, this is one of those guys that is, um, he was a, like, he was a literal titan. Uh, like, he, so many positive contributions uh, coming from him, but um, what we will see when we step into this next time 
um, as many positive contributions as he had for the church, uh, some of his uh, missteps in regards to theology, um, ultimately over the course of time, and f- and his adherence following to some of those to some of those missteps uh, leads into the church's understanding of or the Catholic Church's understanding of purgatory. So he's he's kind of like one of the ones that really like polishes that idea up well. Um, we're also going to see when we hit that next week uh, that um, it's important for us to reflect back on the canon of Scripture because where Aquinas touches on this, he touches on... Uh, text that we would not consider to be in the canon of Scripture. He he touches on Second Maccabees to draw from that, um, and that would be part of the apocrypha f- for us. Um, he leads further from that some of the things that that he kind of um, has a hand in, kind of s- setting up and establishing, or some of the things in regards to merits and how merits affect those. Uh, who were in purgatory, which ultimately uh, we know through the course of history led to like up up to where like the church, in many ways, looked so much like the the Jewish uh, people at the time of Christ, where it's like you're gonna you're gonna sell indulgences, you you, you can buy people into heaven now. What about the poor people? You know. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna we'll kind of start there. So like um, next week when we pick back up with Aquinas in the Middle Ages, we'll we'll kind of start that slow decline um, that ultimately gave way to the Reformation, and then um, next week we will uh, take a peek at some recent developments. And when I say recent, like I mean in our lifetime. Um, some recent developments where there has has been continued to be efforts to um, bring into alignment the Protestant faith and the Catholic faith, um, which ultimately for the Protestant faith, what does that mean? <laughs> ultimately, it would mean that that the Catholics come to agree that salvation in is in Christ alone through faith alone, right? Uh, apart from any works of us, and we understand that through the Scriptures alone. Uh, so we'll kind of dig into that more next week when we have a little bit a little bit more time